not every church gets to have someone like Michael Utterback on Palm Sunday. And um, as I shared with a few of you all, uh, he was the speaker, the night speaker at the very first summer youth camp I attended when I was seven years old. And I still remember one of the illustrations when he took the cross and the spikes and he drove those spikes into that cross and it profoundly touched me. Um, many people in the body of Christ, New Testament churches, don't understand the significant relationship that we have to the people of God, the Jewish Hebrew nation, the nation now today known as Israel. And um, in today's world of progressive Christianity, it's very cloudy and confusing what is being taught or even ignored in most New Testament churches. In fact, this week when I placed, when we put the ad up on Facebook, um, it was rejected because there is a move that is anti-Semitic. There is a move to keep the truth of God's word and what he teaches about how the people are to pray for the city, the peace of Jerusalem. Well, I didn't take that sitting down. I posted how unfortunate it was when they sent the rejection back. And I appealed. And I think it got up to Mark Zuckerberg, and he approved. And they finally, so to Facebook's credit, thank you, all of those of you, who, whoever had to do with that decision, they're probably now reviewing this service. And so we're thankful if we are still on that you had a change of heart and you let that go forth. So the significance of this message, this connection with Michael and Gina Utterback, Michael's the founder of Ministry to Israel. He's the president, the leader of, the, of Ezra International. They've helped over 190,000 Jews return to their homeland, and that is significant, and that's a blessing as prophecy is being fulfilled. So... Michael, I want you today to take your liberty, and I want us to give the man of God here at Restoration a good, honoring welcome as he comes. Would you? Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Wow. My goodness. I was expecting those guys to come back and carry me off. <laughs> How wonderful. I'm so delighted to be with you all today. And I, I just feel, I'll be honest, right at home. All of a sudden, when I walked in that door, I felt his presence here, and I knew I was in the right place. And uh, I'm so delighted to be with you. And uh, I love this brother. We've been together. In fact, the last few days, we've been together in a, in, uh, over in Douglasville. And spent three days together and spent some time just talking about things that God is doing. And I want to tell you, I've met a lot of pastors, but I've met very few that love their church and their people as much as this dear brother does. He bragged about you guys the whole time. And uh, I knew when, when we'd get together and talk about you that, that it was going to be, man, that's the greatest church you've ever seen in your life. So I couldn't wait to get here. And I'm, I'm extremely delighted to... Uh, to come and to share some things with you today. We're going to talk about the Aaronic Blessing in a few moments, but I want to kind of give you a, a background of, of uh, who we are and, and what we do 
and then talk a little bit about what God is doing in the nation of Israel and also on, on our planet all over the world because it's, it's so important. As Pastor said, this is, a, this is a paradigm shift, basically. And we're watching God do things that he promised thousands and thousands of years ago. Now, I'll, I'll be honest. I told my wife I was sitting here. I, have, I had some notes here on my iPad. And when I got up and I looked down, they got totally erased. So you're in trouble. <laughs> I'm just going to close that. Um, I'll tell you how we got started. You know, years ago, Gene and I were um, out in Washington State. Um, I was a state youth and Christian education director in that area. And I got very hungry to hear from the Lord, just like many of you sitting here today. We just want to hear from God. And I'm that way all the time. I just want to hear his voice. And the Lord spoke to me, and I had a, a, a unique experience with God that literally changed our lives. Not just my life, but my wife as well. And uh, we knew that God had a plan for the nation of Israel. And I, I began reading Scripture and found out, and just, it, it just kind of dawned on me, how many times Israel is mentioned in the Bible. Over 2,000 times Israel is mentioned. And the city of Jerusalem is mentioned over 800 times in the Scriptures. And uh, when you, you start looking at that and you start trying to ask questions about that, you wonder, what in the world uh, is this all about? And so I asked God about it. And, and uh, so we left there. We went to Miami. I pastored six years in a church in Miami. The church grew, and God did great things for us. We had many Jewish people that were believers in our congregation. And we started going to Israel. I'd never been before. We rented a house uh, across from the president's house. And, uh, and I started sending deacons and elders over there, and I told them, let's be very careful. Thank you. Um, Let's be very careful. Those are my notes that I gave to Lou early on. Thank you, Lou. I thought he was coming to carry me away, but <laughs> I'm looking for exit areas here. Um, so we went, we, we rented this house, and I started sending them over, and I just, I told him, put your hand over your mouth, and let's hear what, what God is saying about this nation. Let's don't go try to tell them anything. Let's just listen to what God is doing. And so for those six years, I put an Israeli flag up. I had an American flag up and, and all of that. But we, we just concentrated on trying to learn about what the Spirit of God was doing in the nation of Israel. 1985, I was in the little house that we had rented in Jerusalem. I had a visitation from the Lord one night. It came as a dream vision. And uh, the Lord showed me that... Um, he was going to bring the Jewish people out of the former Soviet Union. Now, this was six years before perestroika. Most of you guys that have dark hair in here don't understand what I'm talking about. You gray-haired folks know what perestroika is and the fall of the Iron Curtain. There really was, it wasn't an Iron Curtain for you young guys. It was just this thing that kept everybody in. All the Jews had to be kept in, in the former Soviet Union, and uh, nobody could get out. They couldn't come and go, and so they were locked in. And in 1985, the Lord showed me that he was going to bring that down and start bringing the Jewish people out. He told us where I was supposed to be, how we were supposed to go in, and what, what it was all about. So in 1991, when perestroika came, I was, at, I was stationed with some people. We had buses. We were ready to go in. We were in Warsaw. That's where the Lord told me to start and to go into Kiev 18 hours and start bringing Jewish people out. And uh, this is what we did. We, we were working on it, and, and back in 1991, uh, it, was, it was a very difficult time 
for the Jewish people. And the Lord dealt with me then. There were two reasons about the, uh, the fall of the Iron Curtain. One, get the gospel in. Two, to get the Jews out. And as Pastor said, we've you know, been working in this work. We've got 80 people out there right now and all across the former Soviet Union. Uh, we're helping Jewish people find their documents, get their passports, uh, you know, learn uh, uh, how to get out to make Aliyah. And we've helped closer to 200,000 people now make Aliyah to the nation of Israel. The group I'm working with, over 20% of the people that come out of the former Soviet Union come through our work. And uh, because of the Holy Spirit, it's what God is doing. God's got a plan, and uh, he, he, is, he is bringing them out for a purpose. It's not just because it's in the Scripture, but he's bringing them out for a purpose. This is a day of prophetic fulfillment. Promises that were made 4,000 years ago to Abraham are coming to pass right now before our very eyes. And in chapter 12, and by the way, with God, uh, there is no such thing as time. He doesn't, I don't think God has a watch. I'm not sure, but I don't think he has one. And he doesn't care about time. When he makes a promise 4,000 years ago, it's like he made it this morning. And the promises that he, he makes will always have a crosshair in time when they will be fulfilled. God promised land. He promised children. And he promised a purpose in Genesis chapter 12 to the Jewish people. And, and uh, they had it for quite some time. 70 A.D. comes along. The temple is destroyed. Jewish life is destroyed. And for 1,900 years, there has been no land. The language was basically reserved only for those who would read Scripture or have prayer. Uh, Hebrew was gone, basically. There was no leader. They had no Netanyahu. They didn't have anybody to lead them during those 1,900 years of being scattered. And I don't think we as Christians can understand what that meant to the Jewish people at that time. Their whole life was around the temple. These celebrations that we're going to be doing this week and, and uh, all through their life, that's what they did. Seven times, seven festivals. They came three times a year to celebrate. And then all of a sudden, 70 A.D., it's all gone. The priesthood is gone. No more high priests. And they're scattered everywhere. And they're thinking, where are the promises that God made to us? He said we'd be in this land. It was ours. And now we're being driven out of it. And for 1,900 years, that is exactly what has happened to the Jewish people. But guess what? God is a God of his promise. And we have been watching in the last 80 or 8 decades, 80 years, the restoration of the promise. May, in May 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation again. And I love what Isaiah said. He made the statement. He said, uh, he said uh, who has heard of such a thing? Or who has known such things, that in a day, and you can see it here, who has seen such things, shall the earth be made to give birth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth. It was a miracle when the UN decided that Israel could become a nation again, just like that. There was a war in that, that, that group of people. They didn't want to do it. Most of them didn't want to do it. But somehow, miraculously, in one moment's time, the land that God promised in Genesis came back into focus, 1948. It all followed after the Holocaust. It's an amazing thing that the Holocaust at the end of that 1600 or 1900 year period happened just like it did when six million, over six million Jewish people were destroyed. I don't have time to tell you, but in the Bible, it talks about the Holocaust. 
It talks about what happens after the Holocaust, that after the Holocaust will will become a day of favor for the nation of Israel. And it's been just like that. After the Holocaust, Israel becomes a nation again. They only had 650,000 people living in Israel at the time. Today, over 8 million people are living in the nation of Israel. Right now, the Jewish people I'm talking about. Not counting one and a half million Arabs that are Israeli citizens that are allowed to be there. And they treat them very well. Israel is a miracle. Everything about it is a miracle. Their language was restored. Dead for all of those years. Ben Yehuda and a small group of men decided we want this land, this, this language to come back. Do you know that Theodore Herzl, the father of Zionism, actually wanted German to be the language of the country? And later on in his life, he said, one thing I regret that I've not learned Hebrew. He said, I was wrong about German. Today, Hebrew is being spoken all over the land of Israel. There are people sitting here right now, Jewish descent, that your fathers and your grandfathers and your grandparents all were learning that language when they were in the nation of Israel. This is the day of God's restoration. Not only is God touching the the Jewish people, but he's also doing something among us. I mean, what we're going to be doing on Wednesday night about this Passover, it, it really hasn't been something that Christians have been involved in all this time. In fact, for almost 2,000 years, we have kind of stolen Jesus away from the Jews. And we've changed him. I mean, much like Joseph, honestly, when he went into Egypt, I love that analogy between the two. He was rejected by his brothers. He went into Egypt. Uh, They cut his hair. He looked like an Egyptian. Uh, He talked like an Egyptian. He learned the language. He even walked like an Egyptian. (laughs) So much so that his own brethren did not recognize him when they came face to face with him. Why? They Egyptianized Joseph. We have Christianized Jesus. We have made him so unrecognizable to the the Jewish people, only to the Christians, that they don't know who he is anymore. But I'm telling you at this moment in time, there is a paradigm shift that's going on right now. It's happening in the nation of Israel. They're getting softer and softer and softer towards this Messiah of theirs. And in the the church, and Pastor and I have talked about this, there's been replacement theology that has been dominant, I think, a doctrine dominant for years and years, telling everyone, you're Christians now. God has raised you up. And uh, you have replaced the Jewish people because they failed the Lord. In other words, we're the perfect people. Amen? Anybody in here perfect? Don't tell God. He replaced those Jews with you. (laughs) Can you imagine that? That God would look at us and say, that's my replacement. So it lets you know there's no reality to that. God just has a plan. He he reached out for 2,000 years to the nations of the earth, and he's been gathering us in for 2,000 years and holding his children at bay. And now what is he doing? He's got us on one side, and now he's beginning to regather his children and bring them back to the land of Israel, not only to the land, but to the Holy Spirit and to their Father and to their Messiah. 
That's what's going on right now. Jesus made the statement in John 10, 16. He, he was talking to a group of people. He said, you're of my flock, but there's another flock out there I must go get. They will hear my voice, and I will bring them in, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You know, when Christians read that, they say, well, I'm the flock of God. Who's that other flock out there? Not realizing that Jesus wasn't talking to Christians. He was talking to the Jew and was telling the Jewish people, you are of my flock, but there's another flock, the Gentiles, the nations that I've got to get. He said, I will bring them in. And then in a period of time, there'll be one flock, one shepherd, not two flocks and one shepherd, one flock, one shepherd. And that's what the Lord is doing right now. I want to tell you something. You're important people to God. I don't think you realize how important at this moment in time, at this crosshair of history, how much God has put on us this responsibility to bring them in, to help them, to bless them, and to pray toward this restoration and the one flock concept that Jesus laid out at the time. We're watching this come to pass before our very eyes. And it's happening right now. Not only is God restoring the language and the land and the people, but there's something happening among Christians that I love. And it has to do with what we're doing here today and what we sang a few moments ago. God is, is calling us and wooing us towards the nation of Israel. I don't know, but how many of you have been to Israel? Can I see your paw? Amen. How many of you want to go? Uh, okay, pastor, you, look, look, hurry. Need to bring the rest of you to Israel. Amen. You need to come. God's stirring the hearts of Christians towards the nation of Israel. It's miraculous. And you know, I, I, quite honestly, I've, I've had the opportunity to travel a lot. One time I, I, I traveled around the world two times. I was speaking everywhere, going all over the place. And everywhere I went, there was this hunger to know more about Israel. They just wanted to know more about uh, Judaism and about the feasts of the Lord and about all the things that God has given the Jews. They want part of that. And because there are, you know, we say there are ancestors and we're part of that. It's in the Bible. And so there's this hunger that God has placed inside of all of us. And it's stirring inside of us. Now, some people go a little bit overboard. I've been in churches. I was in a church. They called it, I don't know why, but they called it the full loaf. Full loaf church. I, I mean, I love, I really like restoration better. <laughs> Full loaf church. I, I wondered where'd they come up with that? But I spoke in that church, instead of them saying amen, they all had little ram's horns. And they were wearing talis and yarmulkes, and, and, uh, but they were all Christian Gentiles. <laughs> I don't think there was a Jewish person in the bunch. <laughs> But they, they wanted to be Jewish so bad. And every time I'd make a point, you'd hear this. Woo, woo. <laughs> and one guy got so excited, he had his, his prayer shawl, a talit. And he was in the back, and he was just swinging, going around and around. And I, and I was, at that moment in time, I was hoping there'd be a couple of ushers that would carry me out. <laughs> it was, it was a, an experience. Some people, you know, they get all excited about it, and, and if the enemy can't keep them from getting on the horse, he'll give them a boost over the horse. And uh, I saw that. 
Jew, Christians don't have to be Jews. You don't have to become a Jew. You don't, but Jews, be Jewish. Amen? But Christians, be Christian. Just love and care and minister. That's what we're all about here. You don't have to wear yarmulkes to church. Some people do, and, I, and, and that's fine if they want to. That's great. But God is putting this stirring inside of us. This song. Man, when I heard the song that we sang here this morning for the first time, whew, tears. Because I realized the importance of what was being said and being sung and it was going all over this country and all over the world. And it was, it was for a reason. God is doing that for a reason. That song, in my mind, is a last day prophetic statement to the nations of the earth of how we are underneath this Jewish God and how much he cares for us. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that just now, if that's all right. That was just my introduction. I told you to introduce myself and then tell you a little bit more. But uh, in, uh, in scriptures, in uh, Numbers, chapter 6, I want to read this to you. I don't have it on the screen, but I want to read this to you. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying to Aaron and his sons. Now, who spoke? The Lord did. Speaking to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you will bless the children of Israel. Say these words, he says. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so shall they put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. You know, it's interesting is that God told Aaron how to pray. Now, there's a lot of times we ask people to pray, and they just pray out of their hearts. God said, don't mess this up. I want you to say these exact words over the children of Israel, because when you do, you're placing my name on top of them. Now, I love the way that we sing this, and I love the statements that we just read, but this is in English. And uh, somehow we lose, when we read English, the translation from, uh, from Hebrew into, um, into English. And, and this is beautiful the way it is, but I'm telling you there's something so much more beautiful. And I want to share each one of these points, just five of them, very briefly if I can, about what it really means. There's something called Paleo-Hebrew, ancient Hebrew. In, in our language, in our alphabet, you see an A, it means A, A, apple, B, B, ball. We go by sound. But in, in this paleo or ancient Hebrew, uh, that was, this was written in in the beginning all those years ago, it was actually different than that. It wasn't just the sound that you heard, but it was symbols that you saw, pictures, like, uh, like the Aleph. It was actually an ox head. So whenever there was a word with that in it, you knew of strength, of power, because of that ox head, bait. It was, it was actually a house. Today, uh, you, you live in a house, and it's, your, your, it's bait. And it's, but ba basically, it was a picture of a house where you could go inside of it. Today, they have another symbol, but in Paleo-Hebrew, that's the way it was. There are words here that I want to share with you that, that in the, the Paleo or the ancient Hebrew have so much more meaning 
than, than words. For instance, may the Lord bless you. Now, I'm in the South. Whenever you say bless you in the South, you know where I'm going with this. It means that you're an idiot. Oh, bless his heart. See what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Stumbling around, that guy's an idiot. And there's a feminine for it. It's bless. She's an idiot. But in ancient Hebrew, that word bless has so much more meaning to it. The word bless is barak, B-A-R-A-K, barak. And uh, that word barak actually means knee. Now, in ancient Hebrew, it means your knee, barak. So, you, 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 you know, the Lord blessed you. And so you see the word knee, but it comes from the word blessing, bless and blessing. Blessing is berukah. And that, that word, literally, you can see it here, it's to bring a gift on bended knee. All right, so this says the Lord bless you. In other words, the Lord bring a gift. And, and this is, I'm going to tell you, every time I read this, I've, I've studied this a number of times, and I struggle with this one. But it says if you bless somebody... If you, you know, there are times when you just, you do something special for someone when nobody knows. And what it means is that you're literally coming on a bended knee to give them a gift. And, and they receive it when you're on your bended knee. And in humility, you're giving that gift to them. God says, if you bless my people Israel, if you bless people, if you minister in blessing somebody on your bended knee, what does he say he'll do? He says, I will come and bless on bended knee. I bless you. I can't hardly capture that. Here's this God of creation who created this whole universe and everything in it just by words. He's done so many powerful, wonderful. He's so majestic and so powerful. He rules all of the heavens. He rules all of the earth. There's a kingdom that you can't see, but it's all around about us. He's the ruler of that kingdom. There are, ser there, there are cherubim and seraphim that go around his throne, and all they say is holy, 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 because every time they go around, they see the different side of who God is, and they're overwhelmed with his majesty. And yet his majesty says, if you'll bless my people, if you'll bless someone else, then I will come to you on bended knee. And God commanded Aaron, he said, don't say anything else except start with this. You tell the people, may the Lord bend his knee and touch you and bless you. Aaron, don't mess that up because I want them to know how much they mean to me, how much they care for me. I don't think any of us, and I, I beg the Lord in prayer, oh God, don't let a person leave that building this morning unless they realize how important they are how, how important to God they are, not realizing everything that he's done for us as he's blessed us. May the Lord bless you, he says. 
And then he goes on and he says, may the Lord keep you. The word keep is actually the word shamir, thorns. So you think, oh my, God, God wants to keep me. But then you see the word thorns, shamir, comes from the root word shamar, which means to guard and protect. Basically what this is, anybody in those days that heard this would understand it. Because nomadic shepherds, when they were, they were out in the fields and they would be out at night. And by the way, in Israel, our rainy season is right now. It's going to stop. And, um, you know, in a few weeks, it'll be the end. And then we'll hit summertime. And we're not going to see rain again until probably next November at the beginning, if, if we see it then. Maybe in December. And then it rains again January, February, March. And that's our rainy season. In the middle of all of that, if you've got sheep, you've got to find some place for them to eat. If you're a nomadic shepherd, you're out in the desert, you're looking everywhere you go trying to find the pasture for those sheep. So at nighttime, what do you do with your sheep? You know, during these days, there were bears, there were, there were lions, there were all kinds of predators that were out there. And so what nomadic shepherds would do would take thorn bushes and they would make a corral all around about them and stack it up very high so that nobody, nothing could get inside where those sheep were. And then the shepherd, if he was a good shepherd, now a hireling might kind of hang out on the outside and wait and get out of there. But a good shepherd would always be the door of those sheep. He would bed down right at the entrance where the sheep were, and the sheep on the inside would know nothing can get to us, and we've got a shepherd that's there at the door. God makes that statement right here. He says, may the Lord keep you. In other words, put you inside of this thorn bush and keep you from the enemy. There's an enemy out there, ladies and gentlemen. He's, he, he's stalking you. He's a lion. And he's, he's wanting to go after you. Everything, everything inside of him wants to destroy the sheep of God. But that's why the Holy Spirit, that's why the Lord said to this gentleman, Aaron, you tell your sons to pray that prayer over them. Let them know that they are inside of the sheepfold. Nothing can get to them. You can't go into that sheepfold unless you go through the door. And who is the door of the sheep? Amen? That's who you are. You're one of the little lambs. You might be a well-educated one, but I'm telling you, in the end of the day, that's all you are. That's what God thinks about us. He's not, I don't think God's very impressed with men or women. Probably more women than men. But it doesn't matter to him. All he cares about is that person in there inside you and so he says i want them to know that i want to bless them i'm going to come on my knee and bless them i'm going to put them inside this thorn bush now you have a choice you can be inside or outside you can say yes i want to be in underneath that covering or no i'd rather march outside and take my chances May he make his face to shine upon you. This, this word basically, it, you know, panayim is, is the word in Hebrew even today for, for face. But what that means is let, let his face shine, which is the word or. And uh, it means to give light and to understanding. But it's more than that. 
It literally means to fill you with light, to take away all darkness that's inside you. That, that, and that's what God wants to do in your life. And, and a lot of times it's, it's not an instantaneous thing that happened inside of us. I, I know personally in my own experience, you know, when I got saved, for some reason I thought I was going to be this perfect being and I wouldn't have any problems and there'd be no more sin in my life. And I was taught that in, in certain circles, that once you get saved, you can't sin anymore. And uh, then when I, I messed up, I didn't want to tell anybody. You, you remember that? That first sin, that when something happened, you did something wrong. And it's because darkness, you allowed it to come back in and you struggle with it. Let me tell you something. Every single person in this room is going to face moments like that in your life. But the reality is with Jesus is he still forgives you. All you have to do is get to him and say, Lord, I've messed up again. I'm, I need your help here. And the Holy Spirit will wash you and cleanse you and, and, and shed the light back where you've allowed the darkness to come in. May he make his face to shine upon you. In order to get that light, you've got to go to his face. You can't run from him. That's what Adam did. Light was walking in that garden, and he ran. He was in darkness, and it was, oh, my, I don't want to see his face because I know he's going to point out what I've done. This light, it'll guide you. It illuminates your path. It helps you to know which way to go. I need that light. Every day I need that light. I don't want to walk in this world and stumble around in darkness and it's, oh God, let that countenance, your countenance just shine so that I can see where I'm going, that that light that's in me would be all around me. Walk in the light, it says, as he is in the light. And so God's countenance, may, may his countenance shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. I love this one right here. This word gracious is kanan, and it's a word for camp. I mean, you know, when you, when you read that, you go, wow, what, I mean, camp, where do you get that? Gracious? You know, our word gracious is unmerited favor. That's what we, you know, that's our coined phrase in English, unmerited favor. And I like that. That's fine. But when you get to the ancient Hebrew and you learn about what it really means, the word camp, and this word camp actually, you know, from... Uh, the word Canaan, the root is Hanan, which is camp, uh, is where God is. And it, 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 you know, the same root out of Hanan is to hail, to help, to lift up, to give strength, to rescue. It's a camp where God is. And I love the way he puts it. It's a place of refuge. I don't know if my buddy's here today, but... Uh, Bruce and Rhonda Deal have a city of refuge. I got to share this message at the city of refuge. And when I was studying this, honestly, I had not known this before. But God talks about this literally being a city of refuge that God wants you to be in. Listen to these words of David. This is Psalm 31. I don't have it on the screen, but I want you to hear this. For those who trust in you, for those who trust in you, this is Psalm 31, 20. You shall hide them in a secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion. 
from the strife of the tongue. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness inside a strong city. When you give your life to Jesus and you give your family to Jesus, you are, you are taken in one sense away from this, and you are literally brought into the city of God. Now, you can't see it, and I mentioned that a moment ago. There, there's something on the outside, the kingdom of God and this natural kingdom. It's almost like a transparency lying over the top of it. There is a kingdom here. There are angels in this room right now. They're all around us. They're everywhere. The Holy Spirit is in this room. Jesus is in this room right now. And, and a lot of times we're not aware of it. But, but I think what God is saying is I want you to get so close to me that you'll realize that you are in another city, that you're in a place of blessing, that you're in a secret place where the enemy can't get to you. I love that. A secret place, a pavilion. And what's a secret from? Not to you because you know you're in the city of God. No, the enemy that's all around about you, they can't find you. They're feeling around. It's a secret place where God keeps us. Man, I love that. I feel so protected, don't you? I really do. In all of my stumblings and whatever goes on in my life, I still got a God that is protecting and keeping. May he be gracious to you and put you in the city of refuge. And may he turn his countenance towards you. I love this one. It's interesting because when you say the prayer, you hear the word panayim two times, face and face. And, and you, you start thinking, in English, you kind of go, wow, I, you know, that, that must be just repeating himself a couple times. And that's okay, because God's God. If he wants to, he can repeat himself. Both of them have two different meanings. One is the light, the, the, the illumination coming from the face of God. But this one is a little different. This one has everything to do with his presence, his Shekinah, his Shekinah glory. May, he said, may the Lord turn his countenance or his Shekinah glory or his presence towards you. You notice in that song, we sing, may he go before you. May he be beside you. May he be your rear guard and behind you. May he be inside of you. That's what that's about. May the Lord do all of those things, get so close to you that you just feel his presence everywhere you go. And, and, it, and it has everything to do with, with, it's romantic, actually. This is a very romantic statement. I'm, all the ladies go, oh, and the men go, well, okay. But it's romantic. There's a, there's a, a, a phrase, and, you, and the you know, Jewish folks around here will know it. Ani ledo di ve do di li. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. And uh, they put it on rings and, and put it on, on uh, you know, things that people wear around their necks. And it's a wonderful statement in the Song of Solomon. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. But this is a little different because anile dodi, I am to my beloved. Le dodi li, my beloved, is to me. It's not just I am. It would be like my wife and I. No, I mean, we walk together. And, and throughout our life, we've been married 47 years. And... Uh, We've been together, walking together, side by side. This, this really is a little different because this doesn't say, I'm walking side by side with you. God says, no, I am face to face with you. The most intimate moments 
in your life is when you're face to face with your spouse, where you can look in their eyes, and where they're looking in your eyes, where they hear your voice and you hear their voice. It's not where you hear all the noise and you're walking together that we're beside each other, but it's face to face. What God is telling us in this prayer is may the Lord turn his countenance towards you. In other words, turn his face where he's looking right at you, where you're having this conversation together in life on a regular basis. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you. You're not by yourself. You're not out there all alone. You're not walking around without this God that's, that's not out there somewhere. I don't, I don't know. Some people have this idea that God's sitting out there, and when they pray, it's, oh, our Father, you know, Lord. Instead of saying, Lord, I know you hear me. I know you're right here with me, and I need you. And that relationship, that presence comes. Oh, I felt his presence in this place all morning long, face to face. He's face to face with us, brothers and sisters. He's face to face with you right now. It's up to you. You know, in a, in a relationship, both parties have to agree. If you don't agree that he's looking, he wants to come. But if you're turning away, you won't really understand what we're even talking about here this morning. May he turn his face towards you. Last of all, May he give you peace. I don't know why every time I say that, I pray that. I just feel it. You know, in this chaotic mess, and that's exactly what this word peace here really means. You know, we live in Israel. We've got an apartment on the sixth floor. All of us live on, in apartments. <laughs> There's very few single homes in Israel, we live on stacked up on top of each other, and I look out my window, I see the stacks of people over here and over there. And in Hebrew, I love the statement, I'll come out of my door sometimes and I'll walk out to get on the elevator and to go down. There'll always be somebody that will coming out, be coming out of their their house and their door and they walk out. And the first thing they will say, Mashlumcha. And I'll say Mashlumech if it's a woman. Or a man, mashalom cha, ma, shalom, cha. You know, we just say, "Hey, man, how y'all doing?" That's what we do around here, right? <laughs> but in Hebrew, they ask you a question. It's a question. Instead of just saying, "How you doing?" We don't ever answer. And that's what you know. I get Israelis tell me, "I don't like when 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 you." run by an American and you say, hi, hi, how are you? Or, you know, they go, hey, how are you? And then they go on and, they, and you're going, I'm, uh, and they don't care. <laughs> well, it's our culture. It's what we do. And that's why I explain, hey, man, it, there, there's, don't be offended by that. That's just what Americans are like. We just, you know, we're, we're in a hurry all the time. It's just, hey, ma shalom ka. How your peace are you? How's your peace? That's what they ask based on this. I mean, honestly, you think about that. I love that statement. 
They want to know how I'm doing. Are you at peace inside your heart? Not necessarily are you you're not having a problem today. Everybody has problems. Especially in Israel, everybody has multiple problems every day. And they'll let you know it. But it's more or less, how do you handle this struggle? With all the chaos that's going on around you, are you at peace with that? And another word that this is, is completeness, wholeness. That God will give you that wholeness in his presence by his spirit. Peace. God wants you to be at peace. So what's this prayer all about? Affirmation. To affirm you. To let you know that he's not against you. He is for you. He is for you. He's for you. And I don't know what the enemy said, and I know there are people probably sitting here right now that say, nah, not me. He can't love me. That was the first words out of my mouth when somebody asked me if I'd like to go to an altar. 19 years old, had never heard the gospel in my life. Didn't know the first thing about Jesus. And when I heard the Spirit of God dealing with me, I said, I'm too dirty. I need to be cleaned up before I can go down there. No, you don't. You just come like, just like you are. He wants you to be affirmed of how much he loves you, how much he cares for you. That's what this is all about. That's the song that we're going to sing now. This message that we're talking about. The presence that's in this house. It's just to affirm you. Just to let you know you're mine. You know, when you, when you come to Jesus... And there's a scripture, and I'll, you don't have to put it up there, but it, 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 it says, if you are Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs of the promise. This is an Old Testament prayer. But you've been adopted into the family of God. You've been adopted into the nation of Israel. Inside, you're, you've been circumcised in heart. You are Jewish in your heart. That's who you are. Adoption, adopted. God says, there, I will send forth the spirit of adoption into your heart, whereby you will cry. Whoa. That's Hebrew. You guys speak in Hebrew here. You know that, that that phrase, I've read the Finnish Bible. I don't read it. I don't read Finnish, but I've asked. When you get to that scripture, what does it say? And they will spout off Finnish. And then they will get to Abba. In, in Finnish, in your heart you will cry, Abba. In German, Abba. In English, Abba. Every single translation will always come where God sends forth the Spirit into your heart, whereby you will say in Hebrew, Abba. Why? Because you've been adopted into that family. We're one with them. There's not two flocks and one shepherd. We're one together. Amen. Thank you for your presence, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's sing that song. Just close your eyes and let God minister to you now. Just close your eyes. Just right where you're sitting. Lord, turn this face toward
sing that. Jesus left this earth just to show you our lack of understanding in our Christianity it says he when he left he lifted up his hands and he blessed them do you know what he blessed them with this prayer the Lord this is really what the Lord did it lifted up his hands and in, in Israel we have the the blessing of the Kohanim it happens in Passover. It also happens at Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. And all of Israel comes together. Thousands and thousands of people will gather at the Western Wall. And the Kohanim will put on their prayer shawls. And they put their hands like that underneath the five-fold blessing. And they pray this prayer over the, the people. Jesus prayed that prayer over his disciples when he left. Because he's our great high priest. I want to pray that prayer in Hebrew over your people. Would you stand with me, please? Let's close our eyes before the Lord and hear his voice, not just a man's voice. We put ourselves in a posture to receive. As he prays, it's our job just to receive. Amen. Ya'er Adonai Panav Alecha Vehuneka Yesa Adonai Panav Alecha Vehasimlecha Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and most of all give you peace amen say I receive it
Father, speak over these precious brothers and sisters. May your peace be whole and complete. May you be filled with his peace. In Jesus' name. How many of you receive it right now by faith? Your peace we speak over you, your life, your family, your children, their children and their children in the name of Jesus. Father, may you raise up world changers, difference makers from our children and grandchildren in the name of Jesus, even as we pray that and there is this worldly idea that, ah, oh, that's a grand prayer. That'd be awesome, but I just don't see how that can happen. We rebuke that thought. May this be a unique, strange, different church. May the supernatural, may sons and daughters prophesy. May our children raise up as psalmists. Give them songs and sermons. Give them favor because they've been raped raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Ruin them by your presence. May nothing ever satisfy them like your presence satisfies them. Transform us and do Isaiah 4 verse 5. Set your glory over every dwelling place in the name of Jesus. How many of you like for your kitchen to feel like the third or fourth song on Sunday morning in worship? How many of you know that food would taste better if the glory of God would come down? How many of you would love for your bedrooms to have the presence of the Lord? Your living rooms, your garage. Isaiah 4 verse 5, that's what the prophet said. God's desire is to set his glory, not just here, here. But may you take it with you and may the presence of the Lord condition the behavior and the relationships in your home. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Michael, you have ruined the blessing. I'm going to have to learn Hebrew now by ne between now and next Sunday. Was that great or what? Let's thank God for the ministry this morning. Such an honor. Such a joy.